What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of The Athlete Journal. I am here with Tara Learman. She is a soccer player from Grand Valley State University in Michigan. They are a D2 powerhouse, let me tell you. Um, first of all, Tara, just welcome on. I'm so happy that you're able to come. You're actually the first person on this podcast that I don't know personally. So Meg recommended um, you to come on. Uh, Meg was our first episode. She's a track and field athlete, but she grew up playing soccer with you. So uh, really cool that you're kind of the first recommendation. So I feel like yeah. that that says a lot about you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I know Meg reached out to me and she's like, my friend Maddie's doing something super cool. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yes, sign me up. So I'm happy to be here. Good. Well, again, I'm glad to have you on, but for those of you that may not know just how good Grand Valley is, throughout her career. Let's see, you won a national title your freshman year, D2 national title, and then also made it to the championship game your sophomore year and senior year. Mm -hmm. um, then we were talking about for this and uh, you said your junior year, yeah, that was our worst season ever. We only made it to the elite eight, which is crazy because most teams would just die to even make it that far. So obviously you guys had a lot of success on top of that. Every mm -hmm. single year, you guys won both the regular season and um, the GLIAC tournament, which is amazing. So do you get a ring every time you win regular season and conference tournament? Um, I have four rings, but I mean, one of them is the national championship ring and then two of them are runner up. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third one, I think it, I think it might say on there, um, I think for the Midwest regional that we won. But I don't know. I don't know. I think on the sides of them, they say like LIAC regular season. Yeah. Um, we didn't get like a separate ring for winning the GLIAC and winning the, the national championship or whatever. They're kind of combined. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Casual. I was yeah. going to say, if you had a ring for all of that, you want to have enough fingers. No. So, <laughs> no. so uh, which is anyway, it's just so cool. Um, I guess we'll kind of start off at the beginning of your career. How was it as a freshman? Um, getting on, you know, such a, an amazing team and then literally winning a national championship your first year. Yeah, it was not something I really expected. I um, didn't really understand what it meant to win a national championship my freshman year. Um, and I kind of went in, you know, just excited to be there. Um, and I remember in preseason um, having our a team meeting right before we started preseason and um, there was two, three seniors speaking to all of us. And they were like, we are the only three people in the room that know what it's like to lose the very last game of the season. Everyone else before them in that room um, had either not played or had won a national championship each year they'd been there. So that kind of, I remember, you know, sitting there thinking like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> I'm a part of something really special right now. Um, so, you know, freshman year was, I had a lot of ups and downs, like a lot of people have freshman year. Um, yeah. But just like when I look back at it, I didn't quite understand what it meant to win a national championship. And, you know, by my senior year, I had a lot of experience and it was something that I, you know, like I said, I didn't understand. And it was crazy to think of like, you know, the people before me had won three in a row. Um, and so it was just like, it, it could be taken granted for just because, right. Um, you know, it's so, it's a standard there. Um, 
but you know, I was fortunate enough to be around some really, really talented players that had made it, you know, a standard there. Right. How long do you think that kind of took to be able to develop that standard? Because, you know, I think it takes obviously like years of really good recruiting, but more importantly, just like this culture and buy-in to the program. And, you know, when you committed to play there, did they make it clear that that was kind of the expectation to make it to the national championship game every year? Yeah. So I think, I mean, the coach that I committed to Dave Diani, um, he's actually the head coach at university of Iowa. Now Um, he, he was there for 10 years and he started the last, I think maybe five years is when he really, you know, maybe five or six years is when it really took off. Um, So like you said, there was, I mean, my assistant coach, she was the first team to make it to the final four um, back in 2011, 2010. So, I mean, it takes, it took them, it took him probably a good five, five, six years to establish that standard. Um, And then from there on out, it was, you know, that's why you're going to Grand Valley. Mm -hmm. Um, And to kind of answer your next question, like I remember being recruited And I remember my coach told me, my club coach said, go to a school where, you know, if everything got taken away from you athletically, you would still stay there academically. Yeah. Um, So I, that's why I really wanted to go to Grand Valley because I knew that was a fit for me, both academically and athletically. Yeah. Um, And I'm sure the conversations were had, but I don't vividly remember the coach saying like, we win national championships. We, this is what we do when. I mean, this is the standard, yeah. um, which now I know that's talked about. I mean, that's the only reason kids go to Grand Valley is because they want to win national championships. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of still in that phase where it was like in the process of becoming a standard. So I don't remember it being like, this is why I'm going here, which is again, why I don't think I understood the, the magnitude of winning when I won my freshman year. Yeah. It's crazy to win that young, kind Mm -hmm. of a similar thing. My freshman year, we were national runner ups um, for cross country. We lost by one point. It's a little different because it's not like a tournament, right? There's a bunch of racing. It's like, who's the best on that day. Mm -hmm. But I kind of thought after that, I was like, oh, we're going to win next year. We were just, (laughs) you know, we almost won this year. Um, But then you realize that it's a lot harder than that. And the right pieces kind of have to come together. So um, can you talk a little bit more of your journey as a player? And you kind of had a breakout season your junior year. That was the first year that you were named first team All-American as well as all Midwest region honors, which you got again your senior year. And then that year you also scored the third most points in the GLIAC and then uh, as well as the game winner against Quincy for you guys to win the Midwest regional title. Is that right? Yep. That's correct. Yeah. So how did you kind of, after a couple of years, um, playing with really other good players and still having a lot of team success, kind of find your own footing on the team and what led to that breakout season? Yeah. So my sophomore year, um, we had lost two seniors, um, from that 2015 team and we pretty much returned everyone. And it was, that team was just stacked. And I, happened to find myself in a starting position and now I look back I'm like I did not this is I did not need to be starting at that team like I was not to the level of those girls that I was playing next to um but it was kind of you know injuries and that type of thing led me to that role 
Mm-hmm. Um, and after that season, I remember the spring recap with my coach going into my junior year. He was like, you know, we're, we're losing a lot of players. We're going to need some leadership. And, um, you know, I need X, Y, and Z from you on the field next year. And you're going to need to become bigger, faster, stronger. Mm-hmm. And you have four months, three months this summer to do that. And, you know, those are the expectations. And he kind of gave it to me, you know, in a harsher way where I was like, oh my gosh, you know, what, what do I have myself signed up for this summer? Um, so that feedback was tough, but it was also like, he was letting me know what was expected of me and, you know, what my stance, my leadership role was going to be that next fall. Mm -hmm. Um, so I actually signed up for a strength, um, and conditioning, like I got a, a trainer, you could say, um, in the Lansing area. And, um, like I remember going home the first week after working with that trainer and crying and saying, I do not want to go back. That was so hard. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know if I can do this all summer. Um, and I, I kept going, kept grinding. And, um, honestly, that's, I, I, I test all my success to that coach because not only did he develop me physically and I could see the gains I had gotten physically, but mentally and emotionally, he helped me so much, you know, get through what I was feeling from my sophomore season. Mm-hmm. And he just helped develop me and mentor me um, outside of my relationship with my Grand Valley coaches. Mm-hmm. So um, I attest a lot of that success to him um, and, you know, how he helped train me that summer. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Did you go back to him then the next summer as well? Cause that yeah. was the summer after. Okay. So yeah, I went back again and you know, he, at that point we were really close and mm-hmm. told him what my goals were, what we were trying to accomplish. I even got some girls from the Lansing area to come, you know, train with me there. Um, and you know, at that point I was so addicted to it. I was going two a days and just yeah, trying to make that last season the best. Was it a lot of, you know, speed, agility, quickness type training or lifting, or can you kind of take yep, it was um, like, honestly, those two summers that I l- trained with him, I didn't touch a soccer ball one time. Yeah. Um, it was all lifting, conditioning and speed work. And it was just crazy to see how doing those three things, like just elevated my game without touching a soccer ball one time. Yeah. Um, which is then what led me to think, you know, at one point I wanted to go into strength conditioning because of the impact it had. Um, on my game. Right. Yeah. Um, that was the next thing I was going to bring up actually. So perfect segue. So yeah. you said you had an internship with, uh, the university of Michigan's athletic department and their mm-hmm. strength and conditioning program. Yeah. Um, take us through that summer. So obviously it sounds like the previous trainer that you had kind of influenced you in such a positive way and made you think that maybe you would want to kind of help other people get those same gains from that. And so, What was your experience like for the internship at U of M Um, and was it on par with kind of your expectations for it? Yeah. So I think um, that was definitely why, you know, that relationship I made with that coach, it was like, okay, I could see myself being on the other end of it and being a coach and wanting to help athletes in my shoes. Um, So I, I did get that internship with U of M and I mean, you know, (laughs) that is a world-class strength conditioning staff. So, I mean, I learned so much and it was just an eye-opener of what it's like to be a strength coach and what the commitment that, you know, those coaches put in and just some things that like, I wasn't willing to sacrifice my life for as far as like family and time and 
that type of thing. So that's ultimately why I chose not to do it. Um, but those coaches, I mean, yeah, I have so much respect for them and what they do and the grind they put in. I mean, it takes a lot, a lot of work, um, and schooling and getting paid, not much, um, just like, you know, get to be at the level that those coaches were at. So, I mean, it was, it was a phenomenal experience. I wouldn't trade that, but, um, it just kind of helped me realize that that side of it, um, wasn't for me, I guess. Right. And that's how you figure that out by actually (laughs) trying things. So it's really cool that you had that experience. So, um, tell us a little bit about what you studied in school. And then also after college, you were an assistant coach at Alma for a little bit too. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that was after you had done the internship with, right. Okay. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, um, went into Grand Valley thinking I wanted to go into nursing school. Um, and the coach told me, you are not allowed to do soccer and nursing at the same time. (laughs) So, yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, well, what else can I do? Um, so I got a degree in exercise science with the plan to get a second degree in an accelerated nursing program after I graduated junior year comes around and I start falling in love with strength conditioning. And I'm like, why am I even doing nursing? I don't know. Even, you know, in some of those tougher classes, I was like, okay, I don't know if I really want to do this. Yeah. Um, So I started going the strength conditioning route, got my degree. And that's when I did the the internship. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, kind of was like, okay, I like this, but not, you know, not what I see myself doing five, 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like you mentioned that I got a coaching job with um, Alma College, which is just a little D3 school in the middle of Michigan. Mm -hmm. Um, And I knew the head coach personally, she's great. And she was looking for an assistant. Um, And I wasn't ready to let go of that. uh, My relationship with soccer and, you know, just the high I got from being a competitive athlete. So I took that job and again, learned a lot and it was a good segue from soccer to the real world. Um, but you know, some of those same things as a strength coach, you're working long hours, you don't see your family much. Um, not many females in the coaching world have, you know, kids. And so, um, that's what ultimately led me to not pursuing coaching any longer as far as in the collegiate level. Um, but you know, it was, again, a good learning experience. And it's just kind of one of those things of like, what, you know, okay, this isn't, I know I like this about this job. What don't I like? What's the next step? What am I looking for um, to fulfill those things? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And that's cool that you kind of got to experience the game on the coaching side as well. Mm -hmm. So now you're not coaching anymore. Mm -hmm. I think you would coach like a kid's team or something at some point, like youth soccer. Um, and then how has it been, as you mentioned, it's hard when you're suddenly not a competitive athlete anymore. So do you still play or what has kind of filled your time now that you're not the college athlete? Yeah. So I actually, it's funny you bring that up because I just talked with a club coach yesterday, um, from the area and I'm thinking about helping out with a club team around the area. Um, oh, cool. in Rapids. so I'm excited to do that. I want something that's not super competitive or, you know, I want something right now that's fun and just kind of bring the joy out with the little kids of, you know, soccer and, um, you know, make them feel important and, you know, bring out that side of soccer versus how, you know, competitive it was from, you know, all those years I played it. 
So have you been playing soccer at all anymore? Yeah, I played in some, some co-ed leagues. I'm playing in one an indoor league right now. Um, I played in an outdoor league in the summer and it was one of those things where the level wasn't <laughs> as high as I expected it to be. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay. Like <laughs> if I'm going to do this again, I'm going to need to get it. I'm going to recruit my own players and like, right. you know, cause I'm, you're, you expect such a high level. Um, right playing at that for so long. So it was kind of like, I need to lower my standards and expectations yeah. because that's not how, you know, it is for everyone else. Right. Um, but it was still fun and it is something I still, you know, want to keep doing, but yeah, definitely not the same. Right. That's the other thing is you can, I guess for a sport like soccer, there are so many adult leagues that you can mm-hmm. keep playing theoretically, but you're never going to get that same level of like competition. Like you said that high from competition that you got when you were competing at, you know, the highest level. So yeah, uh, has that been weird or have you filled, you know, that need to compete with anything else in your life? No, I mean, that's, I mean, the hardest part because I committed so much of my life to soccer and yeah, I literally, you know, in college, it was like, I didn't, especially by my junior and senior year, I like didn't really care about class or anything. Like I just wanted to go play soccer. I was waiting for practice. I was waiting for games. Um, so it was like, that's what my whole life revolved around. Yeah. And, you know, after it all ended, it was kind of like, holy crap, <laughs> you know, what do I, what do I do now? How do I fill this void of, you know, what I've been working for, for the last 18 years. So that part, I definitely have not found the same I don't think I'll ever find the same high yeah Um, but I think finding surrounding myself with people that have you know life goals or you know have things they want to accomplish or think the same way I think um and just you know trying to find a community that um you know feels the same way about life as I I do you know yeah absolutely and that's hard to find when you don't have a team anymore yeah because growing up like I mean all my best friends were my teammates um, right and friends in school too obviously Mm -hmm. um so you said you moved to Grand Rapids now Mm -hmm. how long have you been there and um what's it been like trying to like meet people during the pandemic yeah I just moved here about six months ago um I was living in Lansing mainly during the pandemic with my parents so um I mean, a lot of my friends still live in the area. Um, Oh, that's nice. Yeah, but it's still, I mean, we have different things going on. A handful of them just finished off their senior season um, because they took their COVID year. And so we're we're kind of in different spots of our life. Um, So, I mean, I haven't really had to like make friends because if I wanted to go do something, I could reach out to those people. Yeah. Um, But it's just not the same of like, you know, living next door to four other girls or right. you know, living in a house with this, the same people. Um, so that part was like, you know, pretty tough. Cause it's like, you spend all this time with all these, like these people that have, you know, a common goal. Like I mentioned at that time, it was soccer. And it's like, how do you find that community? And you know, I mean, you're given one when you go, you know, play a collegiate sport and then it's over in four years and you're like, okay, now how do I find friends? Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's so true. It was so easy for us before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you seem cool. If I was living in Grand Rapids, I'm sure we'd <laughs> hang out. <laughs> I know. I try to convince Meg to come to PT school at Grand Valley. I'm like, we're going to need some more friends over here. I know. Yeah. That would have been cool, but she's not that far away. So yeah. 
Um, another thing I want to ask you is, so you had mentioned obviously having an awesome strength and conditioning coach that had a huge influence on you, a soccer coach that sounds like gave you some tough love sometimes, um, you know, looking back on those experiences, what are some characteristics of a really good coach or a mentor that you would say have kind of helped you find success and find yourself, um, as just not only a player, but a person too? Yeah, I think it's different for everyone, in my opinion, um, because we all have different needs and different ways of communication um, and how you connect with people. For me, um, it's really important for me to trust first, you know, what they're saying and their, um, the values they have, um, because you know, I have to make sure that, you know, I trust you off the field um, before I can trust you on the field, um, which was something that, you know, I also learned from my head coach at Alma. She was very much a relationship-based coach where if we can trust each other off the field and understand that, you know, I care for you as a person first, um, then you'll do what I ask of you on the field. So I think that's really important to me. Um, I also, you know, value a coach that is is willing to give you critical feedback, but not in a demeaning way. Um, yeah. I think, you know, there's a fine line these days where, you know, coaches have to ride between like, you know, being tough on the player, but also being, you know, condescending or, you know, whatever, you know, the adjective may be. But for me, I grew up in a family where it's like, you're going to, you're going to do what they ask of you, um, regardless of how they say it. Um, and as I gotten older, it's like, I appreciate that, but I also, you know, need it to be done in a fashion that I, I know it's out of love and not just, you know, you trying to break me down day in and day out. Right. Um, which, you know, some people have a hard time getting past, you know, the words that the coach may say, or, um, how they say it. And I've, you know, kind of learned through my time of like, you know, what's the message versus what's the tone of their voice or, you know, what's going on in their, in their life outside of soccer that could be, you know, affecting how they're saying this to me. Right. Um, so I think, I mean, there has to be that, that's why that, that trust has to be there because if you know, if you trust them, then they can give you that type of feedback. Um, and then I think those two are probably the most important to me. Yeah, but that's, I'm glad you mentioned that because I do think when you start to play at a high level and especially a sport like soccer, you know, I grew up playing club soccer as well. And <laughs> you're going to get yelled at on that field. Like, yeah. and I think I'm thankful for a lot of that in a ways, because I feel like it toughened me up a lot. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you can't just you know, yeah, they're going to be yelling at you because they, you know, their voice needs to carry across the field when they're saying it. Mm -hmm. And whether or not you agree with uh, exactly the way that they say it sometimes is kind of out of your control, but you have to understand they're trying to give you constructive feedback and, you know, kind of got to toughen up sometimes. Mm -hmm. But like you said, there is a line where it needs to never get to a point of where it's downright disrespectful because that's mm -hmm. when it's not okay anymore. Um, and I think sometimes it's, you know, especially as a female athlete, hard to kind of discern that mm -hmm. for sure. So, yeah. And um, I think too, I learned a lot about that side of it once I became a coach, because, you know, I was on the other end trying to give a message and it's like, you know, 
the, but I feel like when I had tough conversations on the field, my head coach, she would, you know, her and I would bring in that player and talk to them as a human being in the office and explain to them, like kind of breaking down, you know, why things were said or, you know, what the message really was. Um, and I think that's, you know, a big part of it so that, that it's understood. Right. Um, versus just like, the, yep, coach yelled at me today and no, I'm scared to go to practice tomorrow. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause you almost have to forget, you can't let that get in your head. So yeah. Was there ever a time in your career where you were struggling a little bit with confidence on the field? Um, and if so, oh, how yeah. did you get past that? Yeah, I think, um, like I mentioned, my freshman year was just a roller coaster. I mean, you know, especially at Grand Valley, you go from everyone on the team was recruited. They were the best ones on their club team. They were the best ones on their high school team. And you go to this, you know, university that has such high standards and you're like, holy crap, these are the girls that I'm, you know, have to compete against day in and day out um, in practice. And so it was just a roller coaster of trying to, you know, keep up with speed of play, get my fitness right, like all these things. Um, and, you know, coaches has, they have high standards too. So just learning how to be consistent. And that was the biggest, the biggest problem for me. And then um, same thing, sophomore year was pretty much the same stuff and I got a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But I think again, like that relationship I made with my strength coach back home, like he taught me how to have confidence in myself and taught me how to, like we mentioned, like disassociate the message and the tone of voice between the coach. Um, And a lot of times I've seen so many girls go through that program and not be able to do that. And they leave with a bad taste in their mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, you know, they don't get what the message is. And it's hard because if you don't learn it while you're there, um, you have a completely different perception of, you know, you know, that program in general. Right. How do you think that um, that coach was able to your strength coach uh, kind of build your confidence? Was it more in like you didn't think you could get through workouts and then you learned to, or um, you know, was there any sort of thing that you would kind of tell yourself to amp yourself up before a workout that kind of translated um, back on the soccer field once you started playing with your team again? Yeah, I would say. I mean, especially those days where I like was literally whimpering through workouts, like I can't do it, like he would still hold me to the standard of we're going to finish this workout. Mm-hmm. But at the end, like he was coming around and like boosting you up and telling you, you know, how great you did or, you know, just lifting you up. Um, and I, I remember so many times I didn't have much lifting background and I would be nervous to go squat a certain amount or go deadlift a certain amount. And he'd be like, no, I've seen you, I've seen you lift and you can do this. Um, just trust me and trust that I, I believe in you and you can, you can go move that weight. So I think hearing him believe in me and hearing that, you know, if I trust his process, things are going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So that kind of just helped me understand just, again, the trust aspect of how important it is to um, have that relationship with your, you know, between coach and player. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's really, really Mm -hmm. cool. And then, like you said, I'm sure some of his positive self-talk kind of translated to your own positive Mm self-talk. So if there's someone listening to this episode right now that is kind of in a little bit of a rut um, in whatever sport that they're doing, or I don't know, maybe their job isn't going well, like, mm-hmm. do you have any advice for, you know, how you can kind of get yourself out of that and, and, and start, you know, kicking some ass again? Yeah. I mean, I think I, 
I try to listen to like podcasts that, um, you know, leaders that give positive messages. I know there's so many out there, but um, that was some, or like reading books um, that coach, you know, he gave me a couple of recommendations that, you know, just kind of getting your mindset right. Because for me, that was the biggest thing of like, what I tell myself is what's going to happen. If I tell myself it's going to be a bad day, it's going to be a bad day. Yeah. Um, so him just teaching me like the control, you have total con- control of your mind. And for me, it was, you know, reading books and listening to people and just fully investing in their message was the biggest thing for me. So that's the advice I would give. It might not work for everyone, but um, that's what kind of helped me in those times. I like that a lot. I think Mm -hmm. the, like the brain is just so powerful and kind of Mm -hmm. getting fit, like on the mental health side of things can really Mm -hmm. translate to, you know, reaching your goals as an athlete or just in life in general, um, overall wellness. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that you that he was able to have that impact on you and that it really helped. So yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, before you move on um, to the last two questions that I always ask everyone, quick word from our partner, Unbeknownst Co. Um, again, guys, I've always said that this is an awesome small business, and you should really check out their website, www.unbeknownstco.com. And again, you can find a link to this website from um, our website, look on our Instagram page. We're going to be featuring, uh, products of the month. So definitely check it out. But, uh, if you don't know about this yet, it's a small woman owned business operating out of apartment in Portland, Oregon, and they make unique handmade goods, including jewelry and art prints, all really cool minimalistic designs inspired by natural elements. Um, and they also focus on providing quality functional aesthetics in sustainable packaging. So check it out. Um, also athlete journal podcast listeners will get 15% off using the promo code AJP 15. So definitely head to the website now, um, get a gift for yourself, treat yourself, or maybe someone else. So, okay. Um, the last two questions, number one, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned? Um, it can be throughout your entire career as an athlete, college specific, soccer related life in general, whatever you kind of want to say. Um, and then the second one is what are you most proud of? Yeah. So as far as what I've learned, um, I think for me, it's just been like trusting that there's a process in place and continuing to go through a day in and day out and not waver in your, um, belief in that process. I think it's easy to lose sight of the big picture, especially when, you know, you go into practice every day, especially, you know, off season workouts, like that's, that stuff can get hard waking up and finding the motivation to do so. Um, But for me, like just understanding that there was, you know, something bigger involved and it was a process, um, you know, that other people were a part of, and it was bigger than just myself. um, That really helped me keep it in perspective and fix and it, I mean, it's over so fast. So it's like, you're one day you're going to look back and be like, gosh, I wish I could go back and, you know, go back to those winter workouts that suck so bad. Um, but just, you know, fully investing in that time and not taking it for granted. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then the other question was, 
what am I most proud of? Yep. Yeah. So I think, um, I mean, it's hard because like the, the 2015 national championship was an unreal experience. Um, and, but then, you know, my senior year making it to the national championship, that was not expected of us. We had lost so many seniors and had, mm-hmm. I think like six or seven freshmen starting. So it was one of those things where it was, um, not expected. Um, so I, I am proud of that just to like, you know, keep the tradition going at Grand Valley. Um, and then, you know, honors are cool, but, um, you know, I also, my senior year, I decided to join the basketball team after I, um, finished playing soccer. So I think, I didn't yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I joined the basketball team at Grand Valley, um, for their last half of the season from oh December gosh. to March. Um, and just being able to like, take that leap of faith and, being able to like, cause I, I mean, I was on like the practice team. I was, you know, I didn't get much playing time or anything like that, but I had found myself surrounded by a bunch of younger players that were going through things that I went through my freshman and sophomore year. Yeah. So it was cool just to like give back to them and give them some advice about, you know, what I went through and what's normal as a freshman and sophomore and, you know, just continuing to go through it. So, um, I'm, I'm proud of, you know, that decision too, to kind of take a leap of faith and, um, you know, join that team as well. And I mean, that, that program's, uh, just as successful. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's kind of too many to name. <laughs> wow. I, well, I wish I had known that before this, cause I think we would have gotten into that even more, but I do have to ask. So when was the last time you had touched a basketball before you decided to join this team? And did you decide to wait to join the team since you knew you were done with soccer and soccer was the main priority? Yeah. So I, my senior year of high school, I kind of, I mean, I, I was always kind of better at basketball than I was at soccer, but I wanted, I don't know. I just like soccer more. Um, in my senior year of high school, I had a breakout year and just, just put up some crazy stats, um, started having, college coaches reach out to me and I was like, no, I'm already committed to soccer. I'm already committed to Grand Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point I knew I, I could have probably played two sports in high, in college, but my soccer coach at Grand Valley was like, you know, you can't do both here. Like if you want to be the best you can be, you can only do one. And yeah. Um, so I completely invested into soccer. Um, and then I remember the end, I started kind of thinking about it in the middle of my senior year our, the basketball team and soccer team were, were really close. And so they came to one of our games um, against Ferris and they, we won in overtime. So we went out to eat afterwards and the basketball team was there. And I was talking to the coach and he was like, I don't even know how it got brought up, but he was like, we talked about me joining the team. And he was like, you go finish your business on the soccer field. And when this is over, come back to me and um, you know, we'll have this conversation. So you know, I went back after season ended and he was like, yeah, let's do a seven week, a seven day tryout um, and just kind of see how it fits. I don't just want to like throw you in there. Right. Um, so it helped that I had a good relationship with those players already because our teams were close. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hadn't touched basketball and probably since my senior year of high school, like it was oh a culture shock. But I mean, I just kind of, <laughs> I sat, sat behind the arc and shot. <laughs> That's all I did. <laughs> and you know play good that's so cool though that's yeah. awesome that you just gave it a go I think everyone would be like I'm too intimidated to start playing again now but um yeah it was a dream of mine and I kind of wanted to just take advantage of the opportunity 
Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. Well, there you go. You're basically a two sport <laughs> college athlete. That's yeah. incredible. <laughs> Thanks. Well, thank you again so much for talking on this podcast. Um, yeah. It was so nice to meet you. And, um, you know, you've obviously had an amazing athletic career, but you seem to be a really good person and have a lot going for you. So um, I hope you stay in touch. If I'm ever in town, you, me and Meg should all hang out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Please let me know. I would love that. Yeah, sounds good. So, well, thank you again, everyone. Uh, another episode of the Athlete Journal podcast. I'm Madeline Trevison, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.